Thank you, BAME family. Would you take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4, please. John chapter 4. In trying to determine the message for today, uh, looking back over the last few years, I think the last time I did a Mother's Day specific message was 2018. Some years I, I do holidays, some, day, some years I don't, just kind of depends on the flow and how the Lord directs. And uh, I was at my weekly therapy session yesterday, um, and if you know me, that means I was on my mower. Um, so I was out mowing yesterday morning, and I was thinking about the message um, that I had worked on all week and, and where I was headed for today. And I was just trying to um, think, how could I encourage my sisters in Christ today? It's, it's Mother's Day, but it's really an opportunity to, to thank God for all the women that God has given to our church. And I was thinking about my own sisters and like, how could I best serve them? And, um, and, and so as I was thinking about all these things, I... I kept uh, just thinking about a different passage. John chapter 4 kept coming to mind. And uh, by the time I had finished mowing, I was in this back and forth. Should I continue what I was uh, planning to preach today, or should I switch, totally pivot, and and go a whole other direction? Well, as the Lord directed throughout the day last night, I decided to uh, pivot and go to John chapter 4. So, in God's providence, that's where we are today, and I'm praying that it's a blessing for um, all of us and that God will accomplish His purposes. I don't know the hearts of you all and who needs uh, the Scripture today. I know we all do on some level, but God always has these glorious purposes that I am not aware of. But his spirit does, and uh, he uses his word to accomplish those, and so we trust him with that. And so as we think about the passage this morning, I hope that it will remind us and it will encourage us that no matter where we find ourselves in life, Jesus alone satisfies. No matter the circumstances, no matter the season of life you're in, Jesus alone satisfies. The account that we have of Jesus and the woman at the well, as she is known to most people, um, it really gives us the heart of our Savior. In this interaction, he crossed cultural boundaries, cultural boundaries of race, gender, in order to minister to one person. He crossed what would have in those days the boundaries that that probably would have brought maybe, not I I don't know if I would say scandal, but um, just thoughts of what in the world is he doing to those who would have been around or understood. And this passage really explains that this woman, religiously, socially, and morally, was very different than him. So think about that. The social aspect of life, very different. Religious aspect of life, very different. Moral aspect of life, very different. But yet we see that that did not dissuade him in any way to be intentional about his ministry with her. 
You know, I think about our lives and in those three categories. So I would say that most people would not hesitate to try to minister to someone if they are religiously different, right? Because the idea of the scripture in Christianity is that we are to, the the goal is to try to show them Jesus. Socially, now we're talking sometimes a whole different thing, right? So we have a variety of diversity in in the world in which we live and and even our own workplace and our own families. and, And sometimes people who come down on, let's say, politics or other kinds of issues, socially, we sometimes, we don't maybe intend to, but we perhaps distance ourselves and maybe aren't as intentional because we think in our, to ourselves, oh, they'll never change. That's how they, yeah, their worldview is. And, and so we're not as eager. And then you take it into the moral category and, and sometimes even more so that, that we really, people who have different kinds of lifestyles than we do, or as Christians uh, perhaps do, that, that we, we're real hesitant to, to lean in and get involved in their lives. But from our Savior's perspective, what we see in this text is a very, very intentional approach to minister to one person, who was not only religiously different, but socially and morally very different. And I think it tells us about the heart of God and really the heart of man. That we sometimes can put people into categories, and and sometimes our categories really put people like worse than others. And yet, from the scripture, we see that sin is sin, Some sins have more consequences than others. But at the foot of the cross, we're all equal. And yet our our flesh, and sometimes we're tempted to view people who are in different categories of, let's say, gender or sexuality or social situations. And we tend to perhaps even isolate because... Well, sometimes it's just not real easy to go there. Well, in this text, Jesus demonstrates that the one was so important that he would cross those boundaries, he would cross those lines, he would do what was difficult and hard to be able to minister to one. And in John chapter 4, we see this account, and I'd like to read through it, if you would read with me. In John chapter 4 and verse 4, it says this, And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Joseph's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman from Samaria to to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? 
for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, So you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? You are not greater than your father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. We'll stop there for a few moments. So we have this story of Jesus and his disciples passing through, but it's an intentional pass through. So from Jerusalem to Galilee, this would not have been the normal route for Jews to take because you had to pass through Samaria. You probably caught from the text why that would have not been the normal route. It says there that the Jews and Samaritans, well, they really just didn't mix. So most people, even though it's the shortest route from Jerusalem to Galilee, if you've ever been there, you would understand I've actually had the privilege to go to Samaria. Most of the tour groups don't go, but I was there with a friend one time, and, and um, it, it's, it's not a Jewish territory, and so it can be somewhat volatile. But we were able to go into Samaria to this region and, and see kind of the area where they believe this well was located, uh, quite fascinating and, and wonderful, actually. But if you've been there, you understand that this was the straightest route to Galilee, but it's not the normal route because you had to pass through uh, Samaria, at least for the Jews. So we have here this long-standing hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans, which really would date way back um, to um, the earliest days when um, the northern kingdom was taken into captivity, and you had the Assyrians here, and there was a lot of intermarriage that took place, and then with that came custom, adaption, adoption to customs. And so through the years, the development then became this group of people who the purebred Jews would look at and say, well, those were half-breeds. They were, they're, they're weren't quite as, as good as we are. And so there would have been this level of separation because of their ethnicity and the background and, and even the cultural choices with the Samaritans. So uh, according to Josephus, this uh, would not have been, he was an early historian, this would not have been the regular path traveled. The hatred was so great that they would go far out of their way to cross the Jordan at a different point to go up north in order to avoid this whole area uh, entirely. But verse 4 says, and he had to pass through Samaria. So we have here that uh, and King James, I think, says this way, and he must needs go through. So Jesus obviously knew the tradition he knew the cultural breakdown. He knew the, the prejudice of the different ethnicities. He knew all of these things. But it says there that he had to go this direction. 
So this was a very intentional divine appointment under the providence of God where Jesus wanted to take a moment to interact and minister to one particular individual. Now, I want to just give you two points this morning for those who take notes, and um, hopefully they will be easy enough for you to, to jot down. But I would suggest, number one, an uncommon interaction in society. Number one, an uncommon interaction in society. And we see that in verse 5. It says, So he came to the city, Sychar, parcel of ground, Jacob's well. That's where we, we have kind of the context. Jesus is, is tired from the journey. And it's about the sixth hour. He has sent his disciples into the town to grab some food. So Jesus is here at the well by himself. And he takes a moment to pause at the well. And according to what we have here in this situation is is something that would have been a little culturally out of the norm. So you have one woman at a well. And you have Jesus as well there and, and not a lot of people around. So, perhaps, this would have not been an interaction that really would have tarried very long. But, like I said in the beginning, Jesus was very intentional, not in any appropriate way, but he was very intentional to not worry about the boundaries that society put up or, or the potential cultural norms that he would be breaking in this moment because there's a few reasons why some would have looked at this like an inappropriate conversation. In fact, if you look at verse 27, later in the chapter, there in chapter 4, verse 27, we see here at this point his disciples came out and they were amazed that he had been speaking with this woman. But no one said anything. No one said, what do you seek? And why do you speak with her? So verse 27 helps us understand what the disciples were thinking. Jesus should not have been talking to this woman. Why would he do such a thing? He must not know who she is. So we have here this interaction, which was very uncommon in the day. One reason was because of the simple issue of race. The Jews and the Samaritans, as I mentioned, they did not mix. And we have in the text as well, uh, there in verse 9, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So, From an ethnic perspective, this would not have been an interaction that would have been very common. Secondly, I would say, because Jesus was a rabbi, we have here something that would have gone outside of the cultural, or excuse me, the religious norm for a rabbi to teach a woman. In the Jewish culture, a rabbi would not have taught specifically to a woman. That was not something that was accepted in the religiosity of the day. But Jesus here, as we read, he speaks directly to her and he is teaching her about what he has to offer. So the second reason would be that religious boundary, not only ethnically or or racially, but from a religious perspective, Jesus says, I don't care about the cultural or religious norms and I am going to do this. And the third reason that we see here is that um, she was most likely alone on purpose. Because of her situation in life, and we'll get into that in just a few moments, she was probably somewhat of a social outcast. Because her lifestyle 
And we know that she has had five husbands, the text will tell us, and she currently has a live-in boyfriend. And, and from, a cult, uh, from a social perspective, that would not have been acceptable. She would have been known as that woman. And most women would go to the place like a well. Uh, they would go together. It would be more of a group think. Ladies still do that today. You know, we probably have ladies who have visited the restroom today together. Um, but, but here we have, you know, most of the time they would have not been by themselves. And they would have gone at an earlier hour. But at this particular moment, we see a woman who's by herself. And that was probably because she has perhaps been shamed by her, her social status and her situation in the community. And so she's probably trying to scoot in and scoot out without anyone knowing. So we have these boundaries, these, uh, these kind of religious cultural, social, moral boundaries that Jesus is crossing intentionally. And this interaction, though uncommon to people, it was common to our Savior. And we have here the heart of Jesus because he is aware of all these things. Verse 17, in the interaction that he has with her, he says, I know you have had five husbands, not in a condemning way. And he also says, and I know the man you're currently living with is not your husband. He's just demonstrating the fact that he knows her heart. So it wasn't like he, he started this interaction and then found out, oh, I know who. No, Jesus, and his, his, with him being all-knowing, he knows exactly who he's talking to and he knows exactly why he's there. He was completely aware. So this does, I think from my perspective, it does reveal the heart of God. He pursued those who have a different worldview, those with different ethnic backgrounds, and those with different lifestyles. That's the heart of God. And I, and I choose the word pursue on purpose because according to this text, he he said he had to visit this place. Even the place who had a social outcast. And I just want to ask you at this point in the message, is this how you view ministry to the world? And don't quickly say yes, right? I want you to like really evaluate. Is there anyone in your life who you would say, I am intentionally pursuing with the gospel. And they are very different than I am. That's probably one way you can evaluate. Now, I, I totally trust the sovereign plan of God and how he providentially brings people across our path. So I, I, I'm, I'm just saying that in the world in which we live, which is very diverse, so you can't go many places in this world without rubbing shoulders who are different than you are. Is there anything in your heart that intentionally pursues people who are different from you? Perhaps religiously, perhaps socially, even morally. Do we have the heart of God that has such intentionality to our our purpose and our pursuit that we would view 
you know what? Every person is important. Every single one. Do you feel any kind of ethnic prejudice? And does that hinder you from actually pursuing people for gospel purposes? Maybe it's prejudice about people who have alternate alternate lifestyles. Do you view people with the heart of God? I think it's very clear, the pattern. Jesus said, walk in my steps, which means follow my example. Do we? Or do we kind of have people in categories, and they're the kind of categories that we actually joke about? And we, we, we even say things that are rude and unkind. I think the heart of Jesus is very, very clear. Now, as we continue, I would say number two, that uncommon interaction led to an unending invitation from a Savior. So Jesus takes this moment, this situation at a well. He says, can I have a drink? He, he meets her where she is. And he turns it into an opportunity to address what's wrong in her heart. What's wrong in her heart is not her five husbands. What's wrong in her heart is that she is looking for something to satisfy what only he can satisfy. And by the way, that is the problem of every human being. It takes different forms, and we play it out in different ways. But the basic human need that we all came into this world with is that we want something to satisfy us that only the Messiah can do. And so we spend our lives pursuing one thing after another to find the satisfaction that can only be found in a Savior. That's how God created it. That's how he allowed it to happen. That he would fill the void in our hearts. And when he would fill that void, it would provide a spring of life that would continually satisfy And so he offers that to her. This invitation is to come believe. Come to the well that I have to offer. And she doesn't get it. She actually doesn't get it for a while because they have this exchange where he identifies who she is and she's like, whoa, you must be a prophet. And then he speaks to her about how, how the Spirit's going to come. And, and then it look down in verse 28, it says, So the women left her, left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who to, told me all the things that I have done. Is this not the Christ? So we don't know where in the process she is in her belief yet. But something is happening where she has met Jesus... He has identified for her her real need. She thought he was talking surfacely. He went right to the heart and said, you need living water. And then we see later in the text in verse 39, 
From that city, many Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. So we know that she eventually believed and testified to Jesus being the Messiah. And many people believed as well, not because of just her testimony, but because they saw that Jesus is the Messiah. So this one interaction that was very, very uncommon led to an unending invitation of life. A wellspring of life that would be for eternity. And as we see this and understand the heart of God, Jesus alone offers. He's the only one who can solve our satisfaction issue. He's the only one. And he offers that. And if you know him, it tells us in chapter 7 that spirit lives inside, and that is that living water. The spring is in you. If you're a child of God here today, the spring of the Spirit, the living water that says in chapter 7, it satisfies those who are thirsty, and we all are. It lives inside of us. From the day we came to Jesus to the day we will see Jesus, we have the process and the the product inside of us that will truly, truly satisfy. Now the problem is, we have all the resources, but we start looking outside again. Because the remnants of the old man are still in our heart, we still look to the idols that are all around us, that are very earthbound. And, and they can be in all kinds of forms. Forms that are really, really good and some that are really bad. And Jesus here in this moment gives us the solution to life. In me, Jesus says, you will find satisfaction. So as far as application to our moms today, let me just encourage you, moms... Those of you who are here today, and you are loving the season God has you in. As a mom, whatever it is, whether your children are young or old, you are loving the season. First of all, I want to say we rejoice with you. But I want to encourage you to guard your heart from trying to find in your children only what your Savior will provide. We had all those young moms here. And it's a wonderful season of life, but the temptation is to find in our children satisfaction, happiness. And then as the years go on, when things don't go as perfectly planned and picturesque as you dream them to be, your expectations many times are brought down a few levels. And if you have made your children the wellspring of life, you will be in trouble. You will struggle. But if you can see your children as God's good gift, but your Savior is the only one who satisfies, 
that will help you through the days when your expectations are exceeded and the days when your expectations are not even close to being met. So guard your heart. Run to the well. Moms whose children don't live near. They're far away. And you don't get to see them as much as you would like. Maybe you don't get to see your grandkids. As much. Maybe you like your grandkids more and you would rather see them. I don't, I don't know. But you're tempted not to be content in your circumstances. Like it, in your heart of hearts, it really bothers you. And if you could do anything to change it, you would. Can I encourage you that in the sovereignty of God, you can trust his good providence? And you must run to the well in your circumstances. You must be content. Find in him what your heart really, really longs for. Moms whose children are young and you're tired and you are weary. And you are tempted to think, because you are in the daily grind, you're tempted to think, what about me? Does anyone serve me? Does anyone help me? Is this all that my life is going to add up to be? I mean, your kids are young and you're in the thick of it. First of all, let me tell you, that season does pass. And what will help during this season is if you will run to the well and find in Jesus what satisfies. Not food, not sleep, not substances. Find in Jesus what you're looking for. Resist the temptation to look earthbound for some relief. Jesus is the wellspring of life. Sisters in Christ who are single, no doubt there are some today that there was nothing more from an earthbound perspective than you want to be married and, have, and be a mom. I want to just, first of all, say we hear you and we sympathize with you, but we as well want to encourage you to find in Jesus what you think your heart will find in a relationship on earth. Because No matter what happens, you can change their situation. You can get married. You can have children. And you can try to find in your spouse what only Jesus can provide for you. And you can try to find in your children only what Jesus can provide for you. And so trust the sovereign hand of God and run to the well. Moms who have lost a child, and I know there's moms here today who have, and it's still as raw as ever. And you think, or you're tempted to think that that you would give anything to have that child back. We weep with you today. Would you run to the well? Would you find 
in Jesus what your heart longs for? Moms who have made mistakes, i.e. everyone. But perhaps your past haunts you a bit. Perhaps even you've at one point made the choice of abortion. Or you've had five husbands. Run to the well, the living spring of life, and be cleansed. Trust the forgiveness of God. And find in Jesus the living water and be satisfied. If you have wayward children and your heart is constantly aching and that's the season you're in, I know you know this, but there's only one person who can change your child's heart. And that's the Messiah. So run to him. Trust him. He has a glorious plan. I chose this text because this text solves every single one of my sister's needs here today. Every single one. Very, very different applications as I scan this audience. There is one Savior. He alone satisfies. And to broaden it out, even beyond Mother's Day, this text solves all of our issues. Every believer in Christ here today What you have in Jesus Christ is all you need. That's it. The evil one would love to tell us we need more. And he would love to tell us that we can find it in something else besides our Messiah. But it's not true. Jesus alone satisfies. And in chapter 3, in verse 17, it tells us that he did not come to condemn the world. We're really good at condemning people. That's not the heart of Jesus. It says that he came to save the world. That's why he came. Did he condone sin? No. Do we? No. But that's not our focus. Our focus is on the Messiah who can actually provide what we all need. In him and in him alone, we find the issues of life. Would you bow with me as we close? An uncommon interaction 
led to an unending invitation by the Savior. And I pray that I am talking to a group of people who have all had that interaction with Jesus. And you are experiencing the unending invitation of life in him. But perhaps there's one here today that that does not know Jesus personally. Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You can find in him what your heart is searching for. If you're his child and things are in a great place or things are in a really bad place, run to the well. It's the only answer. It's the only answer. Would you take a moment of quiet reflection in response to the Spirit? Look to Jesus. Run to him. Jesus, thank you that you ministered with such intentionality. You put aside the cultural norms to demonstrate your heart that you did not come to condemn, but you came to save. Jesus, thank you that you offer the only thing in life that we need, living water. Spirit, thank you that you provide it on a daily basis if we will just take advantage of it. God, for the mother who's rejoicing today, I pray that she will thoroughly enjoy this day. And yet I pray that she will find in you the only thing that she really needs. And for the mother who's having a hard time, God, I pray that you will remind her of your presence and she will find in you all that her heart needs. And for every child of God, that this week, as we interact with a broken world, that we would be diligent and intentional about our gospel witness and that we would love people as you love and that we would find in you our satisfaction and our hope. God, take your word that you providentially brought today and accomplish your purposes. In your holy and precious name I pray, amen. Would you stand with me as we...